welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we are welcoming back to the podcast, Sasha Ilyukin, who is the Vice President of Services and Industry 4.0 at Tetra Pak. Sasha was on an earlier episode of the Future of Field Service podcast discussing the company's move to outcomes-based service. And today he's joining us to talk about how Tetra Pak is preparing for the new normal. Hi, Sasha. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, really excited for this session. To start, can you just introduce yourself, um, tell us a bit about Tetra Pak and your dual role with the organization? Sure. Hi, Sarah. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the listeners, uh, wherever you are. Um, so, yes, I work for Tetra Pak. I'll start first with uh, introducing the company that I work for. Um, so Tetra Pak is a global company. We're a privately owned uh, company in uh, food and beverage uh, industry. Um, uh, we have been around for quite uh, quite some time, uh, and uh, we're present in basically all the countries. We have offices in 175 countries, more than $11 billion in sales. So we're a large uh, sort of super unicorn, uh, and uh, a lot of um, uh, your listeners may be aware of us uh, with uh, our packaging solutions and aseptic packaging. Uh, that's how we started, uh, but ever since we kind of expanded our portfolio to uh, processing of food uh, products, cheese, ice cream, um, evaporation and drying, so, so in quite a few areas of food and beverage. But yes, we are all about food and beverage. Uh, we, uh, we have a vision of making food safe and available everywhere, which is uh, as important as ever in these uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic times. Uh, and um, um, we have about 100,000 um, um, units in operation, so pieces of equipment in operation with very high connectivity. We collect data from a lot of these units. About 80% of data is collected in real time. Um, so uh, we are um, um, a company in, uh, in food and beverage. Then what I do in Tetra Pak is I've been with the company for over 18 years. Uh, I am currently running um, solutions uh, business in uh, our region of America, so North, Central and South America. Uh, this is where we are uh, working with our customers to create uh, advanced solutions, so kind of as a service um, solutions uh, for their business uh, that help them cut, cut the costs, increase efficiencies of their business, and kind of making their, their business better. Um, I've been, again, with the company for over 18 years, always in services in a number of roles. Uh, started in the U.S. I'm originally from Russia, uh, and uh, I worked in Europe uh, in a couple of assignments as well, and back uh, in the U.S. since, I think, about nine years ago. Perfect. Awesome. And and Sasha, you and I go way back. Um, but for, for the, those on that haven't heard from you before, um, I just wanted to point out uh, one of the things that's really interesting um, that, that Tetra Pak has been doing over, I think, the last few years, really, is, like you said, not only diversifying um, the company beyond packaging into some of the other uh, food areas that you mentioned, but you've also um, embraced outcomes-based service and, and your... Um, industry 4.0 role is specific to introducing new solutions to the market that are outcomes-based services Tetra Pak can provide um, other, uh, other customers. So um, we, uh, we've talked about that before, and, and we can certainly um, 
point people back to uh, to that conversation because it, it's an excellent story of of how you guys have um, embraced a, a brand new service model um, and and really uh, grown doing that. So. Yeah, Very and we cool, started. But... Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, just to, to add to that, I, I sorry for cutting in. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we started quite a few years ago, and um, we, you know, with this outcome-based uh, model, uh, where we uh, where we offer uh, basically risk-sharing uh, type agreements, where where we go with a specific uh, improvement uh, for for the business, right? So we focus on improvement either on you know, OPEX or CAPEX um, side of the business. And then we share that risk with the customer and we share the reward with uh, with the customer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these um, uh, outcome-based agreements are uh, augmented with digital solutions as well. So this, this is where uh, we uh, pioneered quite a few technologies uh, in, you know, IoT, augmented reality, digital twins, uh, you know, cloud data analytics and data science and quite a few of these Kind of new uh, terms, if you will, or new technologies that are helping us uh, deliver these uh, solutions to our customers. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's a really good example of you know a company that began as a manufacturer looks looks for ways to diversify and embraces servitization to really you know provide um, brand new technologies and and services to your customers. So. Um, that's a whole wonderful conversation in and of itself. But today we're going to be talking about um, how Tetra Pak uh, has has navigated um, these times and and how most importantly how you're preparing for the new normal of of post COVID nineteen um, times. And and I heard uh, I was on a um, a session recently where um, someone pointed out that perhaps it's better to refer to the new normal as the next normal, because mm-hmm. the the new normal kind of gives the connotation that we will arrive at whatever this new normal is, and it will be sort of um, you know and stable. It. And mm-hmm. in reality, it's going to be the next normal, and then the next normal, and then the next normal. So, so I like that that terminology. Um, but uh, to start, can you share? Um, you know, you as a as a service leader. Um, and or Tetra Pak as an organization, you know, going through this time of, of immense challenge, what do you feel is is the most important or most valuable lesson that you've learned? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. Um, and if I reflect on this, and and we're not we're not done with the challenge uh, by far yet, right? And we're still quite in the in the middle of it. Uh, when I reflect back on this, though, I think that the most important part was to focus on the people. Uh, our motto as the company is to protect what's good, uh, and uh, yeah. we, we basically, uh, basically uh, you know, uh, in that see that we're protecting three things: we're protecting food, people, and futures. Uh, and so, if I think about the focus on the people specifically, that of course uh, is our employees, that is our customers' employees, that is the the people around, you know, in the communities that that we serve, and the families of, of our employees, and so on. Um, so we've done and we've taken quite a few measures early on, right? So, so when when this thing hit, um, and I think it was back in, you know, here in the U.S., it was, uh, you know, in uh, sort of mid late January when when no lockdowns were in place uh, yet, right? We one of the first things that we did uh, is that that we. Um, you know, implemented these new, you know, uh, procedures and protocols around the offices. And then we, 
we consulted also with our partners. Uh, we, we're partnering with two uh, office management companies, Sodexo and CBRE. Uh, so we partnered with them and then we, we focused on what can we do to you know, mitigate this, uh, this crisis, right? And then so we've put quite a few measures in place in terms of processes, you know, the social distancing, hygiene, We've, you know, sort of limited the, the entry points into the facility. Um, uh, then the other uh, thing what we did is, is we focused very much on communication. I mean, the communication, this kind of next normal, as you said, in communication is just mind-blowing. Um, if, um, uh, if I uh, share what, what we've done in Tetra Pak, um, you know, we have weekly... Uh, communication with our global leadership team, right? So our uh, our CEO and a, and a number of our global leaders uh, of, of our executive team uh, are uh, doing this weekly uh, interactive communication. So it's not a, it's not a one way communication; it's an interactive weekly communication, which has been unprecedented before before this time. So they're coming on, and people can just all employees of the company can ask them, you know, questions. And you know, share their concerns, and and that is done on a weekly basis. We have in parallel done um, a weekly what we call an open mic question uh, for our field force as well, because our field force, you know, has been uh, obviously you know very exposed to to this crisis, right? They're continuing to work in the field at our customers where possible. I mean, they're maintaining, of course, uh, new levels of you know hygiene and wearing masks and. Uh, distancing, etc. But but you know they are very much out there uh, on the front lines, and and so we have done an open mic question because there's been unprecedented you know problems that we need to deal with from procuring masks. You know we've we've bought hundreds and hundreds of thousands of masks in the U.S. alone to uh, to do that. You know so from procuring that to making sure that they're staying safe, making sure that they're getting some food as well because a lot of the you know, um, food in the hotels, for example, was not available. Uh, takeouts in some areas were, were not available. So very interesting dilemmas that, that we had to, to deal with over this time. But a lot of it was focusing directly on people, uh, directly, of, you know, how their lives are impacted and making sure that, that we, uh, we kind of learn from that and, and we deal with that as soon as, as these problems arrive. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, um, you know, in, in the conversations I've had with, with different organizations and, and how this, um, this time has impacted them and, you know, how they've managed it, that, that common theme of, of prioritizing people, prioritizing humanity, prioritizing, you know, the need for connection and, and, um, empathy and, and understanding, you know, is a common theme. And, um, it's been, you know, obviously we all wish this this uh, just didn't exist and wasn't happening. But uh, but I think that there are some aspects of it that have been positive and and that focus on you know human beings and and each of us as people, you know, is something that I hope um, you know we can hang on to after this passes. So I know as as you mentioned, you know, we're not we're not really out of the challenge yet. Um, you know, it, it still very much exists, but, you know, in the conversations that I've been having, I think there is sort of a, a sense of, um, some optimism and, and some sense of, you know, recovery starting, um, you know, whether it's, um, 
in pockets or, or whether it's kind of cautious optimism or, or what have you, you know, there is some hope. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, what's your vision of what recovery will look like, um, maybe both near and longer term, um, and anything you can share on on how Tetra Pak is preparing for, for recovery? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. I, I will start with, with learnings, uh, Sarah. I will, I will start with what we have picked up uh, during this crisis that you mentioned that there's always a positive side to everything, right? And, and of course, we all wish this never happened. Uh, but uh, since it happened, we've learned quite a few things. And I think, you know, we can become better as, as a society, as a team, as companies, as, uh, as people, you know, to, to learn from, from this crisis. Uh, I've already mentioned communication. So this unprecedented availability uh, of, of leaders and, and the way that, that we started to communicate is one, one big learning. Um, the other uh, big learning that I would mention is, uh, uh, is, is empathy. You mentioned the word empathy, and, and uh, I like that word a lot. I think my personal learning has been that, um, you know, now we're doing a lot of these virtual meetings. Uh, and uh, what I've seen so far is that despite the fact that the physical distance may be great uh, when, when people are connecting virtually, the kind of the emotional distance is actually shorter in many ways because, you know, people connect from their homes, from their sort of family circumstances. Sometimes, you know, you see small kids running around and, you know, all kinds of different um, uh, different mine circumstances. Are, um, mine are in the background <laughs> causing right? yeah, some my, noise. My so. daughter is, is in the background there as well. I'm so. crossing my fingers. There's no interruptions. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think that that helps us to to recognize that that we're all people, that, that we're in this together, we're closer. So, so the empathy grows uh, over that, right? Versus, you know, sitting in a very traditional boardroom environment, you know, where you're sitting in your suit and tie and you know, you're just, you know, discussing, you know, negotiating or whatever. You know, I think, I think, you know, in this new modality of taking meetings uh, virtually and in more casual circumstances, the empathy grows. Um, so, so that's another big learning uh, that um, uh, that I can I can um, um, take out of this. Uh, then, uh, other things that I see is is. Um, of course, you know, the flexibility and the agility of businesses are, um, you know, surfacing, right? And, and are, are accelerating and, and businesses are learning how to be more, um, you know, agile, take, you know, uh, their work, uh, you know, processes and, and the way that people collaborate to, to a different level, uh, the way that the, the meetings are done, the way that, the, you know, we're now doing Things like, you know, agile uh, projects virtually, scrum teams virtually, whiteboarding uh, virtually, which, you know, we've never tried before uh, for, you know, good or bad reasons. But I think, you know, with this, uh, you know, COVID-19 crisis, you know, it kind of pushed us to this limit. And I'm sure other companies are learning very similar things, you know, how to be more flexible, more agile in reacting to these new externalities and new new circumstances. Another big learning that comes to mind is, is um, digital maturity. 
Uh, what I'm seeing also with a lot of the partners and the customers, our customers that, that I'm working with, uh, is that uh, where it was kind of a nice thing to have before, it was more of a uh, more of a exploration type of area uh, of digital maturity, connectivity, having data, data analytics in place, uh, you know, digital dashboards, digital twins, and things of that nature. Now it becomes an absolute necessity because all of a sudden you're, you're sitting at home, your factory is running a few miles away or maybe many, many miles away. And how, how do I know what's happening? How do I make decisions, data-driven decisions? Of course, you know, this accelerates the need for, uh, you know, IoT. And, and that will become a big learning out of this. Um, we, as I mentioned before, are fortunate in Tetra Pak because, you know, our equipment has always been fairly highly connected. Uh, so we're just building on that. Uh, but I can't imagine, you know, if some companies were significantly behind on this you know how how to run blind in this situation is is just mind-blowing so i think the whole digital maturity uh, of companies will accelerate big time and will become part of this next normal as as you mentioned yeah those are all those are all very good points um and and i think uh you know one of the one of the things that came up in a conversation i was having recently as well was um you know going going along with with what you just said about digital maturity the pace of decision making you know um because particularly as we look at recovery from this situation you know there's you you can't not prepare Right. I mean, um, you're you're foolish to focus only on the challenge and not think about how to prepare for the recovery that that's coming. Um, but you also are are basically working with a ton of unknowns, you know, a, a ton of uncertainty. And so, um, you know, the the topic that came up is um, one of the service leaders was saying, you know, we used to review reports on a you know, um, a monthly basis, a quarterly basis to, to kind of do projections and make decisions and, and things like that. And now it has to be daily. You know, it has to be daily. It has to be real-time information. It has to be something that can come to me instead of having to go retrieve it from, from all of these different places and, you know, really being able to um, rapidly speed up that pace of decision-making. So it goes back to, you know, the, the need to be more nimble and more agile as well, you know, not just in, in projects, but also just in, in how quickly you're comfortable, you know, deciding things and, and making moves. So those are um, all good points. So what, what are you, um, what are you doing now to kind of keep, I, I always say like a parallel view, you know, you have to continue managing the challenges you're having today as a result of this, but you also need to be looking to recovery and, and thinking about how to prepare for that. So how are you working now on preparing for the, um, the eventual or the imminent recovery that, that will happen? Yeah, and before I address that, Sarah, I just want to, to also, I, I'm sitting here thinking, I, I want to reflect on that uh, what you said on the, on the data availability and data-driven decisions, right? I've always been a, a big advocate for data-driven decisions because, of course, you know, that implies that you can take decisions faster or you can take and or you can take better, better quality decisions, right? And, and I think that the, you know, the frequency of uh, this decision-making should never be dictated by 
limitations in technology or processes, right? So the cadence of, of the process that that you have, whether it's weekly, monthly, or daily, I think, you know, this should be instead driven by the the need of the people and the need of the business. So so when when uh, let's say the, the meeting happens, all the data should be at the fingertips. It shouldn't it shouldn't require people. Well, I have a meeting in two hours, so now I need to go and and I need to collect the data and I need to tabulate it or I need to analyze it and so on. That should be available uh, to you right when you know sort of the meeting and the decisions happen uh, if they happen um, in in a team like uh, setting, right? Yeah. Uh, then when it comes to to your uh, your question, uh, you know, so kind of what, um, uh, you know, how are we preparing for the future? Uh, there, there's quite a few things that we've tried over this um, uh, over this uh, COVID-19 time uh, that I think we will take forward with us. And um, some of the things that we couldn't even imagine, I mean, uh, just to give you a few examples um, we have customer innovation centers where we sometimes run a little bit of product development work for our customers. Um, so if they want to test, for example, certain formulations, packability of some new innovative product, and, and we can run it for them. Uh, well, that was always done face to face. And we've done quite a few of these virtually already. Uh, we've uh, used uh, for some of these tests, we've also used uh, augmented reality technology. So some of the like Hololens uh, sets, where we can show our customers, you know, with someone's eyes, you know, what's happening, uh, you know, how the mixture is happening, how the products are being tested, and so on. Um, so, so that has helped a lot. And and we again, we never imagined that this would uh, that that we can actually even do this. You know, and and uh, customers were quite happy actually with uh, with uh, you know this type of um, uh, service because then they don't yeah, have to travel, have and, travel and they feel they that feel um, you know they're getting they're what getting what they need what to get out of out of the service. Uh, we've done similar ways with, uh, for example, some of the complex installations that we have when we're bringing new technology into a given market. We used to always send people from um, you know our engineering teams to support right when it's a completely brand new technology coming in. Um, well, now it's impossible yeah, because all the borders are closed and so on. So we've utilized the same. I mean, we've you know data collection and and augmented reality type type tools to uh, you know connect people across continents to to be able to do that. That I think for sure that we will take into the future. There's there's no question uh, because it just makes um, you know us so more, much more effective. And and whether you know we we've maybe played with it a little bit before. Um, now there's a direct business need, so so we've tried it, we've um, institutionalized it, if you will, uh, and and so so that will stay with us um, for um, for the time to come. Then also, uh, what I'd like to to mention is uh, maybe uh, some of the ways that uh, you know travel and and meetings in general are impacted. Okay, that will that will definitely change. Uh, going forward, uh, of course, now you know many of us are not traveling or, or traveling very little um, as a result of, of this crisis times, especially if it's non-essential travel. And a lot of our customers are also, uh, you know, not traveling um, uh, and not allowing, let's say, uh, people into their food production facilities and so on. 
Um, so we, of course, we found ways to to interact uh, and uh, collaborate virtually uh, through virtual meetings, and uh, we, we've learned so much as well. We're not new to using this technology. Some maybe some companies are new, but you know we're not new to using you know things like you know WebEx Teams or you know uh, Skype, Zoom, etc. There's plenty of these platforms. Um, but what is new is is the way that that we use them, right? So I've already mentioned, you know, whiteboarding, for example, uh, within these these platforms. You know, breaking into teams within these platforms, um, uh, and and kind of working in teams and then coming back together. Uh, uh, things like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a a really good LinkedIn learning course that I recently took uh, by Kevin Akenberry, I think. Uh, it was. Uh, you know how to run virtual meetings, and and some of the suggestions there were a little bit counterintuitive to me. So, so for example, one suggestion is everybody should be with video on and everybody should be unmuted. You know, and of course, if you look at you know the the the, the like the funny comical videos, you know, typically you know um, the the whole mute button. There's there's a plethora of, of videos around that, right? Um, but it actually does make sense. So, so when when everybody's unmuted, the the level of interaction, the level of collaboration is completely different. Uh, and uh, you know, people, you know, you can almost feel the presence, even if there's some little background noise. You know, you feel the presence of of, uh, of other people, and 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 that makes meetings just some so much more effective. So, so you know, some of these are sort of process learnings and the way that we collaborate, the way that we uh, focus on the people. Then. When um, if, if we think about, you know, very specifically the sort of COVID-19 related items, of course, uh, you know, we are being very cautious about uh, sort of how are we going to bring the business back to the next normal. OK, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're going to take it in phases for sure. Um, you know, we're consulting um, with, you know, the, the data and the science from, you know, CDC, WHO and all of these organizations. Um, I, I, you know, looking at some of the offices that we are now reopening in parts of the world, you know, we're looking for uh, volunteers to, to come first. And then we're looking for people to come in sort of waves. Uh, and there's unprecedented levels of, you know, hygiene and distancing and, you know, accelerating the whole concept of sort of activity-based working where you're not always just using your desk and that's your desk only. Uh, you know, you, you can perhaps, you know, share that space with somebody else, uh, but not within a single day. So it can be cleaned and sanitized in between, et cetera. So there's all of these learnings that, that we're taking uh, that we will bring forward. I think overall also, on, you know, if, if you think about food and beverage industry, I think that that, that will be a, also a great booster towards, you know, sort of food safety and, and food quality, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in, in some parts of the world, uh, you know, those types of concepts of, you know, hygiene and, um, just generally, you know, safety around, uh, you know, equipment, manufacturing equipment are less uh, developed than, you know, if to what perhaps what, you know, we're used to. So, um, so, so that I think will be also a big booster to the industry as such, because now these rules are imposed and uh, these rules, uh, you know, new rules will be a part of the normal 
uh, life and normal operation going forward. So, so that will also be um, uh, one of the one of the I think big benefits uh, coming out of this. And of course, travel. You know, I, I I say it again. You know, travel will never be the same. Uh, of course, travel industry will will have to most likely reinvent itself. Um, in in my opinion, and um, you know what we see is, uh, of course, uh, we see what's happening with uh, airlines here. You know, if you just look at the TSA numbers, you know, they they reported what was it, 2.9 million travelers in U.S. per day in 2019, and now it's like 100,000 or less than 100,000. So obviously, 30 times less uh, travelers, and you know, the impact is is huge, right? And and I think that you know, with these virtual platforms we see the opposite effect. I was looking at the statistics in the virtual platforms, you know, um, uh, Zoom, you know, they reported 10 million users per month, I think in December or November, December, 2019. And then, uh, you know, they reported 290 million. So 30 times more uh, in March of this year. Microsoft Teams is the same. So, you know, it's it's complete opposite, right? So, So airlines are 30 times less, Virtual platforms are 30 times more. I think the the balance is going to be somewhere in between going forward. Um, so so that's that's kind of my prediction. But it will it will never be the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I've had some conversations of how, you know, say if you talk about safety, um, you know, I think safety pre COVID nineteen was just sort of an assumption. You know, especially if you think about you know, from a a service perspective and particularly a field service perspective, you know, um, I think, you know, from a a customer standpoint, customers just assume you're taking whatever relevant safety precautions are necessary, right? And I think that, you know, going forward, um, safety is something that will become a key differentiator, right? Because it's going to be so critically important for customers to feel safe that you know now i think it's going to become one of the top considerations for a service provider is you know it's going to be one of the first questions like well what are you doing to keep your employees safe what are you doing to keep your customers safe so that emphasis on on safety is is going to be something that i think will stick for for a long time i think um, you're you're absolutely right on this you know this this will stay in the industry and as i said this will be a great booster for, for food and beverage. So, yeah. um, so that, that will stay for sure. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to, um, to, to talk about is, you know, we talked at the beginning, um, about how Tetra Pak has had significant success embracing, you know, the servitization model, um, and, and your industry 4.0 title obviously reflects that. Um, one of the, the other conversations I've been having a lot recently is how, COVID-19 may act as sort of a, um, a, a catalyst for more servitization, right? So particularly, this has come up in a lot of um, conversations with manufacturers that also provide service, because as their customers are looking to decrease CapEx expenditures and increase OpEx, it's kind of forcing those companies to you know, if they weren't already embracing servitization, now they're they're thinking, oh, well, we better jump on this because this is, you know, our path to survival. Um, and I know you guys were already on that journey and, and you've, you've been on it for quite some time. But I am curious um, if you think that this situation will, you know, serve as a launch pad for any, you know, new or different 
services? Um, you know, is is there kind of things that are are coming up with your customers or or kind of new opportunities where you're kind of having a light bulb of wow, you know, this might be a new area of of servitization for us to explore. Are you seeing that at all? Yes, uh, I, I do see that. I, I think that, uh, well, certification as such, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a trend, right? It's, it's a trend. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of the, the companies are going. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, that's where we are going as well. And, and it's so tightly connected, Sarah, to, uh, to the data, uh, data analytics, right? Uh, and, and in general, kind of digital, uh, digital maturity of, of a company. You know, if you're a service company, there's absolutely zero way, no way that you can provide servitization models to your customers if you're not working with data, data analytics. There's just no way because uh, then then you're taking too much risk. Uh, you're, you're going into it blind. Uh, and at the end of the day, this will not be good to, to you and it will not be good for your customers, right? Because, because yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to be clear on what exactly you're providing, what is the value, what is the outcome. That you're trying to achieve and how close you are to that to that outcome so so generally speaking yes i see that that the whole industry is kind of moving into that direction and and with the COVID 19 times it will move there faster okay the the reason i think that is is you know several technologies if you if you you know remind yourself of of this kind of gartner hype curve you know several of these technologies were in the in the initial stages right so if you think about you know things like blockchain things like digital twins you know a lot of companies are exploring uh them but but they're not actively using them you know in in their kind of day-to-day business and and what i see even for you know tetra pack is 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 that we are moving just so much faster uh and i think a lot of companies are doing the same you know, so much faster into, you know, adopting and, and starting to use some of these digital technologies. Where I see the change also is going to happen in the future is, you know, a lot of it is going to be also self-service. And that I think, you know, not many companies, at least manufacturing companies are exploring today. There's a lot of remote support that is offered and, and we're no exception. I mean, we're offering remote support to our customers uh, and a lot of companies are, are offering it free of charge. Uh, right now for limited time as well. Um, again, we are no exception. Uh, I think what the, you know, the, the, the difference will be is that, that also in the future with the data, with uh, some of these models and sort of accumulated knowledge through digital platforms, digital tools, we will see much more uh, explosion of, of these self-service tools, okay? Where, uh, you know, an operator of the machine uh, or an operator of the manufacturing facility can do a lot of things themselves prior to actually, uh, you know, contacting and, and interacting with a real person. They can interact with, you know, chatbots. They can interact with, you know, very smart AI uh, platforms and, and they can arrive to an outcome, right, to, to what they're looking for, whether that's, you know, certain data value, certain analysis, uh, you know, models to perhaps uh, optimize uh, their operation, uh, a lot of that stuff can be delivered through self-service as a service as well. And I, so I think that part of the business will explode together with uh, together with uh, classical kind of remote service uh, tools. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I was uh, talking with a gentleman from ABB 
yesterday, and, and he kind of said the same thing about the acceleration of, of digital transformation. You know, he said this this situation has taken our five year technology plan and condensed it into five months. You know, I mean, it's just the the need to move fast um, to to use that as an enabler is is a significant thing. And again, I mean, going back to what we said at the beginning with with the um, concept of humanity and and you know people putting people first. I mean, I, I think that in a way, it's it's another positive of this situation. You know, I mean, um, there's companies that have been you know uh, leaders and and you know on the cutting edge and and embracing these tools. Um, but there's certainly a, a lot of laggards and then a ton of people in between. And I think that, you know, this has sort of broken down some of the barriers um, and, and resistance to change. Uh, and I think that that will have a lot of positive, you know, trickle down benefits as, as companies recover from this. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's difficult times, but it, there are there is some good to it, and and it certainly makes for very very interesting um, conversations. And I think that as companies begin to recover, and and we see you know how things continue to evolve, um, there won't be any shortage of of things to discuss. Um, last question, Sasha, uh, for you is you know just. Any other um, thoughts or words of wisdom, advice that you would share based on on your experience, um, you know, for for a peer or or someone else in similar shoes that's walking uh, a similar path? Yeah, I think I think uh, one word of advice I would give is is you know, no matter crisis or no crisis, you know, to always focus on the people um, and and people are, I think, at the kind of cornerstone of, of everything, right? Whether that's, uh, you know, how we're dealing with the pandemic or we're taking the business to the next level or we're trying to come up with a new uh, innovative solution or we're trying to, you know, collaborate to, to improve uh, the performance or whatever. You know, people are key to, to everything. And, you know, we are seeing, you know, if, if you look at our solutions, you know, we, we see the facets of every solutions are not only business, but there's also, you know, there's sustainability facet where it delivers, you know, big sustainability uh, impacts in terms of, you know, saved energy, saved water, uh, you know, sort of impact to people um, uh, engagement and so on. And there's also the, the, the clearly kind of the people and the society impact. If your job is, is exciting, and and you like to to do your job right uh then then you will be happier you know then you, this impacts your family this impacts your community and and so this is where you know the the solutions and the technologies that we just talked about i think they will help making lives better uh making people happier and i think you know my word of advice to to any leader out there we are, you know, there to to lead people, right, and and be leaders for uh, for people. So uh, focus on on your people and the rest of the elements like technology, like business. You know, th this will come. This will for sure uh, fall into into place. Uh, but the first uh, the first and foremost focus should be on people and their well being. That's great advice. Um, really appreciate you being with us, Sasha, and, and sharing your perspective and your insights and, and how Tetra Pak is, is handling this time. So thank you so much.
Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate the time. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. For more content on how companies are managing the challenges of COVID-19 and preparing for what comes next, visit us at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions by visiting ifs.com. And IFS is currently launching a thought leadership series of interactive, insightful content at mindfuel.ifs.com. Be sure to check that out. As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.